Hey everyone, just a quick little reminder that the St. Dymphna's Playbook book is available now wherever you get your books and ebooks. If you head on over to Ave Maria Press's website and use the code BEWELL, all one word, you can get 25% off. Thanks so much. Flannery O'Connor once said, You will have found Christ when you are concerned with other people's sufferings and not your own. Welcome to the 120th episode of St. Dymphna's Playbook, the SDP, if you want to be cool, a production of the Grexley Podcast Network. My name is Tommy. I'm a cradle Catholic, a marriage and family therapist, a husband and father of five boys, four on earth and one in heaven. I love you, Luke. And I'm here to fill the void of Catholic conversations about mental health because I want all of us to remember that the suffering of our sisters and brothers demands our attention, our compassion, and our love. We like to kick it off around here with a quick refresh of our notifications. It's time for St. Dymphna's Mentions. We hear a lot about how exercise can help improve our mental health, and it absolutely can, but sometimes our depression or our anxiety can be at a level where exercise is difficult or even downright impossible. Cue the music. We'll get some thoughts from Science Alert. The next time you're not able to get to the gym, maybe spin some records instead. New research suggests the positive impact on mental health from singing, playing, or listening to music is around the same impact experienced with exercise. A growing number of studies are finding links between music and well-being. However, the level of the potential boost and exactly why it works are what scientists are still looking into. And that's where this particular piece of research can be helpful. Increasing evidence supports supports the ability of music to broadly promote well-being and health-related quality of life, write the researchers in the published paper. All of the 26 studies included in the new research used the widely adopted and well-regarded 36-item short-form survey, the SF36, on physical and mental health, or the shorter alternative with 12 questions, SF12, making it easier to collate and synthesize the data. The results of the studies, when compared against other research looking at the benefits of non-pharmaceutical and medical interventions like exercise, weight loss on well-being, and against research where medical treatments for health issues didn't include a music therapy component. According to the study authors, the mental health boost from music is, quote, within the range, albeit on the low end, of some sort of imp- of the same sort of impact seen in people who commit to physical exercise or weight loss programs. So back to me. I think many of us would have guessed this as we've already turned to music as a coping mechanism for our mental health symptoms, but it's awesome to see it playing out in the research. I think it's a good reminder that our coping skills don't have to be limited to things that we physically do, but can include a wide range of activities that may seem passive to an outside observer, but can still have a huge impact on our ability to find calm, decrease our anxiety, and focus on our well-being. So crank up the music and get to feeling better. So each episode, I'm going to introduce you to a saint who can help us along our journey with mental health and wellness as Catholics. It's called Friend Request, and today I'm going to introduce you to St. Stephen of Marsaba.
Born in 725 in Gaza, Stephen was a nephew of St. John of Damascus and was introduced to the monastic life by his uncle when he was just 10 years old. By age 24, he was serving the monastic community in a variety of ways, including helping to take care of guests and visitors, but he eventually asked for permission to live the monastic life as well. His superior agreed to let him do so on weekdays, but not on weekends, as he still needed to tend to his duties at those times. As Franciscan Media shares, Stephen placed a note on the door of his cell that said, quote, Forgive me, fathers, in the name of the Lord, but please do not disturb me except on Saturdays and Sundays, end quote. He was also a great spiritual guide to anyone who needed his help, and now we can ask this beloved do-not-disturb saint to pray for us whenever we need help in our own lives. We like to close out this part of the podcast with a prayer. Dear God, please help me to recognize times when I should compromise and to willingly and happily accept the compromises asked of me. Amen. And now, you can't do therapy over Twitter, but I'm happy to take your tweets and help you explore a bit in the hopes of finding a light in the darkness. It's time for Twitter therapy. Rebecca gets us started. I've been experiencing a lot of news-related anxiety the past few years, I'm sure, like everyone else. The Ukraine war is leveling up that anxiety. I'm struggling daily with wanting to stay informed and wanting to hide away from it all. I'm also struggling to not freak out constantly about the threat of nuclear war. I stay up late doom-scrolling headlines and reading articles about the possibility, even though I know that's not helpful. It's been a week. How did people live alongside this fear during the Cold War for so many years? I know my current behaviors are not sustainable, but I'm not sure what to do. Let's start by praying together for peace in Ukraine and an end to violence in our world. And for all of us suffering from news-related anxiety to experience peace as well, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. I'm so glad you asked this question and that you're thinking about this, Rebecca. It's something that's on the mind of so many of us. And in our current world, it's so important to find ways to take care of ourselves while trying to stay connected to everything happening around us. Let's start with some thoughts from Very Well Mind. Thoughts of catastrophe are understandable when we think about any type of crisis. After two years of bouncing from one COVID-19 variant to another, the Ukraine situation has people on edge. Feelings uh, people may be experiencing are anger, hopelessness, helplessness, and numbness because of being overloaded. Reading the news to understand what's happening in the world is an important part of being an informed citizen, but news headlines meant to grab your attention can do more to incite fear than offer information. The continuous flow of information can be overwhelming. It's important to be honest with yourself and honor yourself as it relates to knowing what the threshold of your mental health is. What are my limits? How much news is too much news for me? Those are the questions to ask yourself. That limiting of exposure extends to social media. The endless scrolling through stories and infographics while being inundated with virtual noise can create a negative atmosphere of panic and doom. Taking time away from social media and news reports are key. Try scheduling social media time, taking news notifications off of your phone and other measures of that nature. When you pick a daily time frame to catch up with the news, use that time to read and listen to information from highly credible, ethical, and objective sources. If you're not sure how to tell if you're inundated with the news, take stock of the impact 
impact it's having on you. If you're looking at anxiety and depression, uh, then you're going, if we're looking at anxiety and depression, they're going to impact us not only mentally, but physically. They impact relationships. They can impact sleep. Back to me. It is so important to remember that staying informed is a good thing unless it comes at the expense of our own mental health. Then we have to learn to be okay with unplugging. We have to remember to re-engage with our children, our partners, our friends, with getting outside and going for a walk. Our responsibility toward our mental health and the well-being of our family always comes first, even in times like these. We'll wrap up with some key takeaways from that Very Well Mind article. If the situation in Ukraine is causing you fear and anxiety, those feelings are normal. Limit the amount of news you watch to help protect your mental health. Prayer, meditation, practicing gratitude, and time outdoors are also helpful ways to protect yourself mentally. Chelsea is up next. Could you speak about balancing mental health with dealing with infertility? About the reality that the fears of anxiety introduced during infertility don't really go away even with getting pregnant because that worry transforms into worry over keeping the pregnancy going. Let's start by praying for every single person experiencing infertility for peace in their hearts and for a kind and compassionate community around them. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. I'm so happy that you sent in this question as anxiety around fertility and pregnancy is such an under-discussed topic that we've got to get out into the open. We'll start with RMA New York for thoughts. Multiple studies have found that infertility in both women and men can often increase stress, depression, and anxiety, and recurrent pregnancy loss can lead to post-traumatic stress disorder symptoms. Here are some suggestions for coping with the stress of infertility that may help you on your journey. Focus on the present. You can't change the past, so stop reliving the should-haves and could-haves. You can't control the future either, so stop pre-living worries and anxieties. Try to stay in the present because it's the only place where you can really choose to behave in ways that can reduce stress and anxiety. Next, practice self-care. Get enough sleep, exercise, time alone, and time with others to make yourself feel cared for. Next, talk to yourself. Give yourself a pep talk because what we say to ourselves is powerful. If others remind you that there's always uh, a way to build a family, you usually, it might have no effect or little effect, right? But if you remind yourself that there's always a way, your mood will usually lift talk to others. There are many reasons to be reluctant about discussing infertility with family, friends, or in the workplace. You may want to keep medical issues private because you don't want unsolicited advice. You don't want to hear about everyone else's fertility stories or because you feel like there's a stigma attached to infertility. The result, however, is that you may feel isolated just when you need understanding and support. Emotions are more manageable when they are said aloud than when they're buzzing in our heads. Focus on your work is next. Staying busy and active with projects can distract you, give you a sense of accomplishment, and help boost your self-esteem and confidence. And last is check for depression. Mild depression may make you feel tired or sad. More severe depression may mean frequent crying, loss of appetite, and despair. All signs of depression should be taken seriously and addressed to make sure the suffering is alleviated as soon as possible. Whether it's triggered by hormonal therapy, recurrent pregnancy loss, treatment failure, financial or relationship stress, there is help. Speak to your physician about a referral for therapy, support, and or medication. A change or break in fertility treatment might help too. So back to me. 
You are absolutely correct when you mention that the anxiety doesn't simply go away when you become pregnant, but actually shifts to an entirely new worry that can get your mind racing and your heart panicking. The very first piece of advice in that list of ways to cope with anxiety while experiencing infertility is the best approach for this morphed anxiety as well. Stay in the present moment. The easiest way to practice this is to hop online and Google mindfulness techniques and find some that match up with who you are, with your personality and the way you think about the world, and then practice them to help you know exactly how to use them once you feel anxiety starting to build. Paying attention to what you notice with your five senses is a great, easy way to start. Actually, taking time to put yourself in the present by thinking about what you're seeing, the colors, the objects, etc., what you're smelling in the room that you're sitting in, how the chair feels on your body, and how you feel on the floor, how your feet feel pressing against the floor, etc. Try practicing this for like five minutes, and as you increase your practice, you can increase your time. It's a great way to start practicing mindfulness and to battle the anxiety that can pop up when we start worrying about the future. Rebecca wraps things up. How can we handle anxiety when leaving an abusive friendship or roommate situation? Let's start by praying for Rebecca and everyone working through anxiety when leaving an abusive relationship for safety, for consolation, and for God to show the way forward clearly without any need to revisit the situation in our minds. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come. Before thee I stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. Thanks for this one, Rebecca. Such an important topic. We'll start with some thoughts from loveisrespect.org. Leaving an abusive relationship can be one of the hardest things a person does. But even after your ex is out of your life, sometimes the emotional and mental effects from experiencing abuse can linger on. You may experience feelings of depression, guilt, anger, loss, or even symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. Anxiety, trouble sleeping, being easily frightened or scared, avoiding of stressful triggers that remind you of abuse, difficulty maintaining relationships, feeling emotionally numb. So back to me, it's important to remember that there is no right way to feel after leaving an abusive relationship or roommate situation. And one of the first things we have to learn is to accept our feelings without judgment and then move on to working on the things that are causing us the most distress once we're ready. Back to loveisrespect.org for thoughts on how to do that. Although it may be difficult, this is the time that you need to focus on you and your own happiness. You never did anything to cause this, and you deserve to be happy and feel safe. What you went through is not who you are. Healing is a process, and through it, you will remember how strong, capable, and extraordinary you really are. You will have good and bad times, but every day free from abuse is another piece of yourself that you get back, and eventually those pieces will all come together. Next, reestablish your sense of safety. This means feeling confident that your ex won't harm you anymore, whether that's by cutting off contact, getting a protective order, or even moving, and beginning to find stability in everyday life. Stability looks different for different people. Sometimes it's just getting back into your school routine again, and if you're older, it can mean finding a steady job and feeling financially secure. Next, give yourself some time to grieve. 
It's important to feel sad or angry for a while. It's important to let yourself experience those feelings and to let them out rather than bottle them up. There are lots of healthy ways you can do this. Journaling, writing poetry or songs, creating art, exercising, dancing. In addition to being expressive, all of these activities can slowly help to restore your sense of power over your own life. They can remind you of strength and the beautiful things you are capable of creating. And last, reconnect with ordinary life. It can be difficult to remember what life was like before an abusive relationship. You may feel emotionally closed off and it can be hard to trust people again. Your ex-partner may have even physically isolated you from friends and family and you feel you have no one to turn to or that nobody could understand what you've been through there are always people to help you are not alone and of course know that we are praying for you all right everyone that's it for today's episode remember you can email dm or tweet your questions and situations if you'd like me to address them in a future episode i'd be happy to keep you anonymous or not whatever you want be sure to check out patreon.com slash grexley to see all the great things they've got going on over there and support the cause until next time go easy on yourselves take care of yourselves and if you feel like you're in a place where you can't even bring yourself to pray don't worry i'll be praying for you and so will saint dimphna